On today's podcast, I have four-time Mr. Olympia, Jay Cutler on. And let me tell you, this was one of my favorite episodes of the podcast because I got to pick his brain about nutrition and bodybuilding and just things that I've been wondering for my own health. But along with that, we talked about what kind of discipline and consistency it takes to become a four-time champ and to dominate an industry for a decade. It is really cool to hear just the amount of discipline he had and just everything that used from that career to transition into business after the fact. We go over in depth how he was one of the first ever, actually he was the pioneer of what bodybuilders can do to make money and just all the things he started since then with supplements, with training programs, and how now he's transitioning uh, with social media and using that business. So it's a really great episode for all aspects if you're trying to um, increase your health and get better at that, as well as just some business principles and disciplines that you're going to like. So with all that being said, let's jump into the podcast. Are you looking to grow your real estate investing business? My company, Future Flipper, can help. We've taught hundreds of people all over the country how to flip, wholesale, and buy rental properties. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your investing journey. Whether you're trying to get your first deal or scale your company, Future Flipper can help. We have courses, coaching, and events for all levels of investors. So if you want to take the next step, go to futureflipper.com and book a free consultation to see how we can best help you. Once again, that's futureflipper.com. If you've ever wanted to invest with me on my real estate deals, it's now possible. At Pineda Capital, we're purchasing value-add real estate all across the country. This includes multifamily, commercial, and land development. The best part is with my network, social media presence, and marketing strategies, we're able to get the very best deals that others don't have access to. You can join in with me on those deals if you're an accredited investor. If you want to learn more, head over to PinedaCapital.com to see our current opportunities. Once again, that's PinedaCapital.com. Welcome to The Ryan Pineda Show. Where our mission is to invest. I only expect to make money in things that I understand. Innovate. It's about believing in the future and thinking that the future will be better than the past. And inspire. I am much more likely to hit my goal just due to putting it out there. Now rocking with the best. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Ryan Pineda Show. Today, I've got a four-time Mr. Olympia. This man has lifted a lot of weights, started a lot of businesses. In fact, he was also flipping houses, which we'll get into. But I got none other than Jay Cutler. What up, man? Hey, man. It's good to be on, man. I appreciate reaching out. Yeah. So it's kind of funny how we got connected. Um, <laughs> you were trying to buy the watch I bought. <laughs> I think that was actually kind of a joke. Yeah. It was like we were trying to make you a little nervous because I was in California. And, of course, I think you were in Vegas at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was in Vegas and... Uh, Gabe, who uh, is our both of our watch dealer, um, I've done videos with him before, but he sends me a, a FaceTime. He's like, hey, this is, I got Jay Cutler yeah, with me. Yeah. He says uh, he wants to buy your watch. And I was like, dude, you know I'm coming next week to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> but you ended up getting something else. Yeah, I mean, I was, I would think yeah. I was looking at some Rolexes there. And, uh, you know, always great deals. Happy Jewelers, shout out to them. And, uh, you know, watches are very hot right now crazy people are flipping i know a lot of people actually flipping watches yeah. just buying and, and selling and you know searching i think i just read somewhere actually today that uh watches are up 20 to 30 percent over retail it's crazy i mean i paid over retail just to get that and i got a good mm -hmm. deal gabe hooked me up yeah it's crazy it's a beautiful piece 
It is, but I was uh, looking forward to seeing it today on your wrist, <laughs> dude. The reason it's not on my wrist, guys, <laughs> is I broke it. I I dropped it on the floor, and now it's back at AP being fixed. And I don't know what it's going to cost me, but you'll have it back, and uh, it's a rare piece. So it is. I love that piece. But man, uh, for people who don't know who you are, man, uh, give them a quick rundown. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned four-time Mr. Olympia. I mean, that's that's one of my titles. Um, I'm also, you know, uh, a 30-year veteran of bodybuilding. I started at age 18. I came out of Massachusetts. I reside here in Las Vegas, and uh, I had quite a quite a bodybuilding journey. Uh, it was a dream uh, since I was 12 years old to actually uh, build a body. I grew up in concrete. My family business uh, construction. And uh, I'm the youngest of seven kids. And no one else in my family lifted weights. But at 18, I graduated high school. I was heading off to college in the fall to pursue a degree in criminal justice. I wanted to be a police officer. Kind of. I, I actually had the option to take over the family business. But I wanted to go to school. And I joined the local Gold's Gym on August 3rd, 1991. And started my journey on becoming... Uh, you know, someone that was in shape. I was a football player, track athlete in high school, uh, very, very athletic, uh, agile. And uh, I kind of joined the gym and I saw a lot of progress right away. And that's really what led me into uh, bodybuilding competitions. And I became the best teenager in the country at 19, uh, turned professional at 22. Joe Weider, who was the father of bodybuilding, who mentored Schwarzenegger, took me under his wing and moved me to California when I was 25. And I started pursuing uh, the dream of becoming the best bodybuilder on the planet at that age. And I finished, uh, the Olympia was actually here at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas in 99. And uh, next thing you know, I was, uh, you know, battling some of the greats to win the title and I won it four times. That's crazy. So at 18, you start lifting weights, really. I mean, you're already athletic, but... And then by 19, you're like, I want to do this as a career. How did that happen? Yeah, you know, progression and and when you watch yourself transform in the gym, that really gave me confidence. And I think when people come up to you and they say, hey, you look really great. You know, I you know, had the bigger arms and, you know, I was strong in the gym. You know, I remember joining the gym and watching everyone work out because... You know, what t t people don't realize today, people listening or watching this, is that we didn't have social media, so we only had magazines. And it was very rare that bodybuilding was on television. It was a it was a show called American Muscle Magazine on, like, ESPN2 or something. And I was able to, to watch, like, what a competition was. But, you know, I picked up books, and I would make those workouts I read in the books come alive. You know, I'd shop at the local GNC, and they had only really bodybuilding books there. This is before Barnes & Nobles and all that. Um, which, of course, now we don't even see those places anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, everything's online. But that's really, you know, what the progression is what kept me motivated. And, you know, here I am, like you said, at 19, I competed at Teen Nationals, you know, won that, best teenagers in the country. And I kind of like, I was kind of nervous to get on stage, to be honest. And I was offered a free gym membership when I was 18 to actually compete in my first bodybuilding show, I competed about six months after I started training because I had developed such a great body. Not that I graduated high school with a, like a, a skinny guy. Right. Right. I was actually pretty muscular and man, the rest is, you know, it's, it just kind of laid itself out as like, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. 
how much did you weigh going into it, like after high school? I was 200 when I graduated high school, and I was relatively lean. Yeah. So you can imagine at 5'9", that was still pretty stocky. I mean, as That's you see, super stocky. I'm 5'10", 180. Yeah. So I mean, you see, you know, you know, you know, even now, like being retired for, you know, eight years, I'm still 230. You know, I'm pretty naturally stocky, and uh, of course, I lift weights, but uh, I didn't really lift weights when I was in high school. I, I just played football, and I told you I did the concrete work, and I think that's really what developed my body a lot. My brothers are still in, in concrete. You know, we do foundation work. Right. That's cool. So you think a lot of your strength was from doing all that work? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. In the dedication, like I was up before school, after school, school vacations, weekends. Like I worked. It was a family business, so there was no clock punching. Like we worked X amount of hours, right? It was just we had to – you know, work around the clock. And that's really, you know, what gave me, uh, you know, kind of the mindset. Yeah. There's a job to be done. However long it takes. Yeah. We're just going to finish it. So you moved to Cali. You said you're 25 years old competing against these guys. Mm-hmm. Was that when you won your first Mr. Olympia? No, I actually was uh, second to last in my first at 25. And it was here in Las Vegas. How was that going through that? It was mentor? devastating. You know, it was devastating because yeah. I had won everything pretty much leading up to that. And uh, for me to, you know, face guys that were a lot better than me um, and finish almost, a, you know, I was actually 15 out of 16 guys. You know, it was, uh, it was heart-wrenching. Uh, but you always, you know, I look at some of the greats, like the guy that was winning at the time, his name was Ronnie Coleman, who was like the guy I went back and forth with for a lot of years. Uh, he was last in his first one. And... You're not always great coming out of the gate, especially as you as you transform. So I kind of had to take a step back and had to regroup. And it's funny because that was 99. I prepared for 2000 and I finished eighth. So I split the pack, right? And then 2001, I was second. Mm. And then 2002, I sat out that year. I won other contests. And then 03, 04, and 05, I was second. And then I won my first in 2006 and then 2007 again. And then I lost in 2008, like a second. And I came back in 09 and 10 and won the title again. And then I lost it in 11. And then I stepped away for two years and then came back and finished sixth. And that was the end of my career. So I was really, you know, I was just, I was very consistent, like for over 10 years, but it took me a minute. Yeah. It took me a minute to get there. And, uh, you know, but I was, I was doing the business as a bodybuilder and, and a lot of people don't realize that it can be really lucrative because there's endorsement deals, there's guest appearances, there's mail order. I started jcutler.com, my website back in 2000. Um, and even prior to that, I was doing like mail order through a magazine. So I had a PO box in the magazine and I was selling a t-shirt with my image on it or selling uh, eight by 10 photos or posters. Right. So I came up with merchandising early and I was kind of, I think I was kind of the pioneer. I started launching DVDs prior to social media. I'd have like seven hours of training in like my lifestyle and I'd show like my cars and my dogs and like whatever else. Dude, you were doing what's popular now 20 years ago. Yeah. And I would, people, (laughs) people would sit in front of a TV and they'd watch me train for seven hours and they would just study it, and they'd study how I took plates on and off, how I prepped my food. When I went to Costco, 
which actually on YouTube is one of the biggest, uh, one of my largest views video is like, what does Jay Cutler shop for at Costco? You know, buying the meat and, you know, I buy in bulk. I mentioned to you a little yeah. bit, we'll talk about the diet, but it was just, it was wild. That's crazy. I'm just kind of blown away that you had the foresight to do those things because, you know, back in 2000, how many people were buying their name.com? I mean, I, I bought ryanpineda.com back in like 2017. And I was like, I think I might need it mm-hmm. down the road. And I bought it for $900. And then I'm like, dang, thankfully I bought it. But for you to like in 2000 say, I need to start jcutler.com and, and sell products on here. Yeah. And then you see like the education space. I sell courses and other things. And you're like, I'm going to sell a DVD course. Well, it was kind of one of those things where you remember I was doing the mail order. So I said, okay, how can I pivot to something that's more in front of people in the internet craze? Really? Like I remember doing dial up in like 1998, like AOL, it would do the dial up and I'd have emails. So my, my handwritten letters or my typewriter mess uh, uh, letters that I would write to the fans through my PO box transitioned to emails. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to contact people and say, hey, this is what I have for sale, um, and then communicate. And I had, like, pen pals. People, I would spend hours a day writing to people. And then eventually, uh, when I had the dot-com, you know, then I could actually highlight all these things on it. And that gave me a huge advantage uh, because, of course, Jay Cutler, there was no football player yet. You know? <laughs> he didn't come on till later. And Jay Cut was available, and I just started merchandising through that. And I was early, you know, early launcher of these DVDs. Like, that's where people got a lot of the information. And I would, you know, for example, it would cost me, you know, I've had a guy that would film it. And what we would do is um, we would split a bit of the profit. He had distribution in, like, Asia. And I would allow him to have that distribution, but I would basically say, okay, I'm just going to pay the cost of what it is for a DVD. So it was, like, 2 bucks. Um, and he would basically, you know, I would give him some rights to sell to those foreign places Mm -hmm. and I would sell it for 40 bucks. Yeah. So I would sell a quarter million dollars on the first day of release on a DVD. Crazy. (laughs) You're like, I had every person I knew in my home packing DVDs. You were the distribution of all I, of it. I would pack and ship them through U.S. Postal, and I would handwrite the labels. Wow. I would handwrite the labels to every customer, and it was worldwide. That's so nice. I literally had every friend, girlfriend, buddy, next-door neighbor over there packing and writing out labels and shipping these DVDs. <laughs> and I would do it every year. I would do a release every year, and I would sell them, and I still sell them today. They're still, they're still on my website, and I still sell DVDs, even though most of them are ripped and they're on YouTube for free. Yeah. Uh, I still sell them because they still want the hard yeah. copy. But you're not handwriting the labels anymore. No, no, no. I've, <laughs> I've, I've advanced. <laughs> You've evolved from yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, know, you develop your fame after you know becoming Mr. Olympia and along the way, and you start getting endorsement deals. Like, did you think that that was something that was going to happen so quickly or, cause you were telling me pre-show that you, the way that you did endorsements was so different than anyone else. Like you were like doing it so much higher than everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, how did that happen? 
I think my reputation, I think, you know, I, I was just, I was always in shape and, you know, I was always making myself available. Like when I went to events, I'd always put effort towards people to um, really give them the time and the attention. And that, I mean, that goes a long way with people when you're really real with people. And that really comes from like the background coming from Massachusetts and growing up in like, you know, that large family. And, you know, that's one thing about me is like, if you knew me, when I was 17 and you know me now, it's pretty, pretty much the same person, right? So I think, you know, I was able to, because I was so successful also, that I was able to demand a higher um, value than most people. But at the same time, you know, I wasn't also sitting back and waiting for these things to come to me. I remember getting on the internet and saying, okay, what, what outlets do I utilize to be who I am? So if I'm like looking for tanning, hair removal, hair gels, um, you know, of course, weight equipment, you know, weight belts and gloves and all, all this stuff, I would sit there and I would look through and say, okay, I utilize all these things on a daily basis. Let me reach out to some popular companies. I would search it, Google it and say, hey, I'm, you know, I think at the time, I don't even think I was a Mr. Olympia. I was an Arnold Classic champ. I won Schwarzenegger show three times and, uh, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm this person, da 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 da, and you you didn't have Instagram and stuff, so it wasn't like, hey, check out my Instagram. Yeah. It was like, here's my website, jcutler.com. It had all my bio on there and everything, and then, of course, there was other websites that had information about me. This is who I am, and most of the time, people would write me back and say, hey, we'd love to work with you, or I I currently use the product. So that's one thing about me is, like, I didn't just say, okay, how can I make money with this thing? It was actually something that I actually used, right, to to on a daily basis. So, uh, and then it became like food items or whatever else. I mean, I did it all and I did it all. Um, and I tried to fulfill my duties and it's even like today, like, you know, people that endorse things. I mean, you have to be active on your social media. You have to be, um, someone of influence. Right. Yep. And I think that's what really uh, gave me that opportunity. Yeah. So you, you do the endorsements and I, I think too, one thing, uh, I've even learned is like, not everyone just comes to you wanting you to do stuff. Like, you know, you were proactive. Like, hey, I like I use your product. Mm-hmm. I think we could mutually benefit from this. Are you interested? And you did it. Mm-hmm. And it says a lot about uh, why you were able to do so much different, like so many things different than what the rest of the bodybuilding community was was doing. So as far as like, you know, I, I, the business side of it, we could talk about even more of what you're doing today, but on the competing side of things, like how did you like stay so consistent for 10 years, you know, finishing in the top two almost every year? You know, for me, it's a common question that people ask. And I mentioned to you earlier, like consistency is key to everything, right? So if if you asked me how structured my life was, like I wasn't a social person. I, I, pretty much locked myself indoors and I trained twice a day, whether it was pre-contest or off season. I, I literally prepped my meal like as I ate Mm -hmm. and I would eat six or seven meals a day and everything was fresh because I didn't believe in microwaving food or reheating food. So today you have meal prep companies, right? Right. And I'm, I'm actually involved in, in one, but I, prepped everything fresh and I would weigh everything and I would, you know, do my business in between 
each meal, but I, I kept myself at home. I restricted travel when I needed to make progress. Um, I did have my endorsement deals that, you know, would pull me on some of the weekends here and there. But when I trained for a competition, I cut all travel 16 weeks out. And I think for me, like that, I call it a boxy lifestyle. I lived in a box, meaning like it was like, okay, kitchen, gym, sleep, you know, rest. And that was it. I had a circle, you know, it was like a bubble. So the consistency with that, it was always progression in my life. So if I never missed a meal, never missed a workout, every workout was thought about each day. I knew exactly when I went in the gym and when I was going to train, what body part I was going to do, what exercises, how many repetitions. I went through it over and over in my head and I knew exactly what to do. And that's what made me great at what I did because I was just so dedicated. And we didn't have social media. And I think that social media throws a lot of people off now because, you know, you watch people and they're in the gym working out, they're filming their workouts or this and that. Like, even when the guy came and filmed my DVDs, I said, listen, number one rule, do not ask me a question. Do not talk to me. And if you go back and you watch these videos, I didn't say one thing. I just trained. And then, of course, when you came to my house, I would open up and talk a little bit. But if I trained with someone back in that era, I remember I would get off a phone call on the way to the gym or whatever, and I'd say, listen, my phone's going to be in my car. I never took a phone in the gym. And anyone that trained with me weren't allowed to carry a cell phone because mm -hmm. I couldn't even have a phone ring because it would annoy me so much. And that's how you can tell the intensity of what I did. That's how I treated it. It was a job. I was trying to be the best at it and, and set – set the standard and that's pretty much what I did. Well, I think what stuck out to me from that story is that you were looking at every little edge. Like there are some pieces where people are like, that's a bit extreme, but that's the difference between being one or two, the little edge, you know, you're like, okay, cell phone. I don't want any distraction. If I get one less rep or one rep, that's not as good that that could dictate whether I win uh, with microwaving food. This might be messing up the calories or however it is. Like, I don't want to risk it, you know? You are an athlete. You know that there's always someone that's better than you, genetic-wise. Yep. Okay? But work ethic means a lot, right? So I felt, okay, I'm not the most genetically gifted guy. I did have great genetics. But I still had to work my ass off to do what I did. And that's why I did not leave anything unturned. Mm -hmm. in order to get to that one goal. And as you see, if you look at my history, let's let's take only the Olympia. I mean, 15th, 8th, 2nd, 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 1st, you know, mm -hmm. all the way through. So you see the what the pattern did in order. I mean, it came up from basically last to first place. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't come from... You know, I wasn't born into it of like, oh, the guy walks in the show and he's just the greatest at the time, right? It, you have to work your ass off to get there. Yeah. So as far as, uh, you know, your daily routine, you talked about how it's like a hamster wheel, like just mm -hmm. every day. You never Ground missed a day. meal. Yeah. You never missed anything. And I tell that to people all the time, whether it's in business or sports or real estate. It's like, dude, the best athletes, the best businessmen are the ones who do the same thing over and over, they don't miss a beat. And I've seen that, whether it's trying to get real estate deals where it's like, dude, you got to make the calls. It gets boring. It's the same thing every day, but you got to make the calls and talk to the sellers. With YouTube, 
It's like, dude, you got to put out a video every day. How bad do you want to be a YouTuber? Well, you only put out one video this week. You ain't going to make it. Mm -hmm. Your competition is doing it like clockwork. And same thing with athletes, man. I watch these baseball players, some of the best that you've seen, man. And you just watch them prepare for a game, and it's consistent. Nothing ever changes. They know what they eat. They eat it at the right time. They go play. They got their recovery after the game. They get their sleep. They wake up. They do it again for 162 games. It's nuts. Yeah, I mean, I did it. I mean, from the age of 18, I told you I retired at 40. But to this day, a lot of that structure has fallen into now my life and business. And it's fallen into, if you said to me, Jay, what is your day? I mean, you just asked this yeah. question, and I, I don't think I even answered it. But I literally get up every day, and I, I it's the same thing. I check, okay, what texts come in, and then I get on my email and I look at, okay, is there, I browse through to see if there's anything important because I run a business from the East Coast, like my, so I'm a three hours, you know, behind. So I make sure that nothing is pending and I drink my glass of water, two glasses of water, first thing I do when I wake up. And I take a little bit of a pick me up, my pre workout, a little bit. And I get on the step mill for 30 minutes and I go through my day of what I have to do, what I have to conquer. I rarely, sometimes I'll look at social media, like just to see what's kind of happening, but I'm not one of these guys that sits on the phone. I finish with that, cook the same breakfast I had for the past 20 years. You know? <laughs> what's the breakfast? Um, so I drink the egg whites now. So I mentioned I do about 30 egg whites, but I drink. 30 two, egg whites today still. No, no. Oh, okay. I drink. I to. drink two cups of egg whites. Okay. I drink. I blend it in a blender with ice and a little bit of my amino acids. I have two whole eggs. I have two slices of Ezekiel bread. I have one cup of cottage cheese, and I have a bowl of grits. And I have sometimes a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. What are the macros on that? I mean, I eat probably 100 grams of protein, and I have about probably 200 grams of carbs. So on the drinking the egg whites, do you just do that because it's easier to down them? It is instead of cooking because if you cook two cups of egg whites mixed with the, I'd have two whole eggs every morning. It's a pretty good a portion of, and I told you when I did the thirty egg whites, man, that plate was. <laughs> I can't. And I used to, I used to crack, <laughs> I used to crack all the eggs, so I would crack thirty eggs, and I would buy thirty dozen eggs at a time from a local farm stand. So I would my whole refrigerator. People would come over. I remember in, when I was in college, my friends would come over and they'd be like, hey, man, you got any beers in the, and they open the <laughs> fridge and it's like all eggs. <laughs> it's all eggs in there. Because I was eating, I mean, some of my diets, I'm not going to lie, I was eating over 100 eggs a day, 100 eggs. <laughs> oh, my god! And I was cracking this. So I'd have bowls in my fridge and I would crack the eggs. And, you know, you laugh at that, but I would buy a whole cow at a time. I had a local butcher. And I would have a whole cow. I'd walk in the butcher shop and my cow would be hanging. And I'd say, I want, this is Hamburg, this is steaks, this and that. And I would buy a whole cow. And then they'd have packs of chicken. Like, you know, you go to a restaurant, back of a restaurant, they have like packs of chicken. I'd buy 140 pounds of chicken at a time. So I had two freezers in my garage. Yeah. And one was the beef freezer and one was the chicken freezer. And then I had the eggs in my, I, I was a machine. All I did was eat, and I would take out five pounds of meat between the two a day. So I take out like two and a half pounds. I would usually break it down into like one pound 
Ziploc bags. So any, anytime I brought the meat home, it was like a whole chore to have us all breaking the meat down so it would be in bags so I could thaw stuff out on a daily basis. And I would eat five pounds of meat a day, plus the eggs. How, so, many, how many grams of protein is this a day? I was eating about three, 400 grams on a very consistent basis. Dang, that is insane. Yeah. How many calories a day like were you eating? I never really counted the calories, although I figured it was around between probably six to 7,000. Wow, that's it. I'd eat I a lot of carbohydrates, lot too. Remember, you know, I was trying to keep the fats low. So, you know, we talk carbs and protein. I mean, carbs and protein each have four calories per gram, where, you know, fat has nine calories per gram. So that's why, like, I tried not to add any fat to my diet. So that's the one thing, like, that I was different from a lot of bodybuilders is I didn't actually take in fat, extra essential fats and all that through my diet protocols. And even when I dieted for competitions, I'd switch to white fish, which was very low in fat. And that's why, like, if I put someone on a diet protocol, I try to keep the fat calories lower. Mm. So I'm not someone that if you say, hey, I, I want to be on a program, and I want to snack, and I would give them, like, cashews or nuts. I, I don't necessarily do that. I try to keep the actual fats fat. Okay, I understand there's good and bad fat, you know, certain olive oils, whatever else. I tried to keep that to a minimal. So because then it didn't halt my metabolism because when you take in more fat calories, it's going to slow your metabolism a little bit. Really? So when you have a lower fat diet, you can eat more like the machine because I had to get in my six or seven meals a day. That was the key every single day. So that was routine. And I, I assume you were eating lean beef then. Lean beef. I mean, I was getting it from a butcher shop. Yeah. You weren't eating the Wagyu. No, no, Fridays. we didn't even have that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that didn't exist. So it was like, it was, I mean, I was getting anything at a grocery store is never as great as a, as a butcher shop. And yeah. I was in the middle of cow country. I was in Massachusetts, you know, rural, rural area. So I would buy my cow there. So- you know, you're talking about just purely chicken, eggs, and beef. And you said sometimes you'd go to fish when you were trying to mm-hmm. really lean White out. White fish, yeah. Why not, you know, these other things like salmon or pork? Too, too higher in fat. You know, I mean, yeah. it's a good fat, but I was a carb eater too. Do you, you know? see any scenario in nutrition where it makes sense to, you know, do lower carbs, high fat, like keto? I'm not a huge keto I, I I was a little more stern about that earlier. I think yeah. I said it's shit, right? But yeah. <laughs> um, I just, it's not something that you can do long-term because in the end, like you're not always going to stay on that keto diet, like eating out or, you know, family functions, whatever else. I think you if if you can stay consistent with, you know, what we call the zigzag diet, meaning like if you fluctuate calories on certain days from different sources, so like, like you're doing like a higher you know, carb days. Yeah, that's and, what I'm on right you now. You know, and what happens is, you know, ideally what you want to do, and I, I want people to pay attention to this, is like I mentioned, calories from protein and carbs are the same, right? It's four, four calories per gram, right? So what I try to do is like if the carbs are higher, the protein goes down. So you still get the same calorie. And then if, when the carbs come down, the protein goes up. So it shifts and you kind of eat the same calories, but your body is shifting sources. Mm-hmm. So it kind of tricks your body because your body knows, you know, the way it functions, a protein from a carbohydrate, right? I mean, how it breaks it down into sugars and everything. And you need glycogen in your muscle, like especially if you work out. So that's why carbs are so important. Like that's going to give you your fuel and it's going to give you your, 
your tissue expansion. Like we talk about, there's a lot of fluid in the muscle, but it's also glycogen, which is from your carbohydrates. Yes, protein can convert if you're on a deficit, but ideally your body is going to function from your carbohydrates getting that. We all know that I love creating passive income through rental properties, but did you know that you can create passive income through owning an e-commerce store? My company, Lunar Ecom, can build and manage a store for you on Amazon or Walmart. We'll handle everything from starting the store, picking the products, and all the day-to-day operations. It's completely passive for you. If you'd like to learn how store owners are making thousands a month in passive income, head over and watch the case study at LunarEcom.com. It will explain everything you need to know about the industry and why I'm so excited about it. So to see the case study, head over to LunarEcom.com. Most people want to get rich at all costs. They make sacrifices with their family, their health, and their faith, all in the pursuit of money without even realizing it. But what if I told you it doesn't have to be that way? What if you could grow your wealth in all areas of life? Well, it's possible, and that's why I created The Wealthy Way. It's a community of people striving to grow together in all areas. And we have multiple tools for you to use that are completely free. You can get access to the Wealthy Way Planner where you can set goals and hold yourself accountable on a daily basis. We also have our Wealth Builder Academy, which is over four hours of content teaching you how to manage your time, create the right goals, and all the biggest secrets I've used to grow my life, not only in my net worth, but in all aspects. Lastly, we have our Discord community where thousands of wealth builders are all over the world encouraging one another and growing together. And once again, all of this is completely free. There are no upsells, there are no hidden catches. For me, this is a passion project and I wanna build a community of like-minded people. So if you wanna start living the wealthy way today, go to wealthyway.com. There you can get all the free resources like the course, planner, and Discord community. So go to wealthyway.com. So are you a believer in like the zigzag changing your diet up because your body gets used to it? Yes. Okay. It's just like, I mean, I think the workouts should be, you know, intensity should change. Like I used to fly athletes in and out to train with me. Um, I never stuck to the same thing. If you said to me, you know, how do you train your calves? Like I've done every calf routine there is every day, every other day. That's the most common question is like, how do I get my calves bigger? Everyone wants bigger calves for some reason. Really? Yeah, every, everybody. Because everyone wants to wear shorts and have their calves look I bigger. did not know that was a thing. So I've had naturally You don't care about calves. your calves. Okay, so maybe, yeah. So do people ever tell you, hey, you have nice yeah, calves? dude, now that you mentioned that, when yeah. I was playing baseball, because I'd always wear my socks up, they're like, dude, you have really nice <laughs> calves. I'm like... <laughs> Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's something care. you think about, right? No, I never have been like, dude, I got it. I've ne- I don't even do calf workouts. Yeah. See, yeah. I had really big legs. You know, I squatted <laughs> like 700 at 19. And I remember I was like, so like, I'm like, man, I'm making such great progress. My legs are so big and my, you know, upper body was getting there. My sister had to ruin the show. And she says, <laughs> you know, she says, man, your legs are so big, but your calves are really small. And it destroyed me. And I was like, <laughs> Never again is this going to happen. So I started training my calves like crazy, became one of my best body parts. So let me let me ask you this. I've had this uh, belief, just you know, being around athletes and other people. I'm, my belief has always been that bodybuilders have like the, I, I don't want to say it like this, but like the worst self-esteem. Like to me- Insecurity? Yeah, insecurity. Like they, they, what pushes them to do so much with their body 
is bred out of insecurity. I, you know, I like I, I wanted to tell you, I wasn't the kid that got sand kicked in my face at yeah. the beach or anything. You know, I like I said, I started at 200, but it's true. A lot of guys that are shorter, a lot of guys that are scrawny, they become bodybuilders because they're insecure about their weight or how they look. I can't ever say that was an issue with me. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I, I mean, like I said, at 12 years old, I saw a magazine, and this this guy, Chris Dickerson, he was a former Mr. Olympia, and I said, man, how does a body look like that? Yeah. And that's what kind of, I'm like, and I was flexing when I was like three years old. You know, I was always mm. muscular. Like, I was an active kid, and like I mentioned, I did the concrete work, so I had a great body, and in high school, everyone, I was always the strongest, fastest kid. Yeah. And I was somewhat lean. I was genetically lean. So I think that's really what gave me the drive to become bigger. And then when you go in the gym and you do a few sets for two weeks straight and then all of a sudden your arms gain an inch yeah. or your legs are growing and you're, you know, slowly growing out of your shorts. I mean, I used to wear boxer shorts. I had to cut the sides of my boxers because <laughs> my legs got so big, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's really what like kind of started. It just, you just love the progress. I just love the progress. Like, and, and I wasn't one to like, I didn't, I mean, I sat in front of the mirror and I flexed or whatever else, but like, I'm sure you, you work out on a daily basis. Like you probably say, oh, am I getting leaner? Like yeah. you judge how you look and you probably feel good. But I just loved how I felt when I got in the gym and I trained and it was a great stress reliever for me. Like, yeah. I don't know what your daily workouts are for you, but it's a huge stress reliever for me. And I was at a crossroad at 18 to either be in the family business doing concrete or go to school to be a police officer and bodybuilding. I found bodybuilding. And when I got lost in the weights for that two hours, I was training eight to 10 at night. That's what really gave me the, the motivation to keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you for me, I, I got into lifting weights mainly for baseball, right? It's just like, hey, this is going to help me with my career. This is what I have to do. And I always wondered, I was like, I wonder what I'm going to be like when I'm done playing. Am I going to keep up this routine and whatever else, right? But as you know, you do it for so long your whole life, you can't stop. Mm -hmm. Like, this is who I am. And so now today, I have no reason to, like, try and be strong or anything else. Yeah. And I still go to the gym every morning. I'm still putting up, you know, I'm just as strong as I was when I played. And I'm always pushing myself because that's just, like, who I am today. Um, and to your point, the stress relief, it makes me feel good. I get my endorphins, I'm energized. And I honestly believe that, at least in business, we have, you know, whatever, everyone's competing in business. And, you know, you get all these guys who don't take care of their health, right? And so, to me anyways, I look at them, I'm like, dude, you can't compete with me if I'm in shape. Like, I'm, you just cannot physically compete mm -hmm. with me in terms of how I work compared to how you work. You're just not there. So. It's, that, a, yeah. it's a structure, though, right? So, if you feel dominant on all angles, it's going to make you that much better in everything that you do. And that's why, like, I don't look at myself anymore as a bodybuilder. Like, someone like you may, you know, when you when you title me as a four-time Mr. Olympia. Like, I've done so many things now since bodybuilding. And I did so many things while I was bodybuilding. Like, I was like a universal bodybuilder. Like, I did it all. Mm -hmm. And... And I always thought about the long game. Okay, what am I going to do after? And and how am I going to transition? How am I going to drop the body weight? And what I knew that I would continue to work out. You know, mm -hmm. did I think that I would do cardio every morning? No, 
I didn't because I didn't necessarily like it when I was 300 pounds. But to me now, cardio is more exciting than weight training to me. Really? Yes. Why? Because I can really, I don't have to think about the weights that I'm doing or the sets. I can literally get on a step mill and get in a zone and really dig into like big life choices of like business That's and where you relationships. Yeah, like I, it's hard to explain, man. And I, some of our people probably understand that. And I just get into a zone and I can just like, I I can do work. Yeah, I'm with you. I've, I've come up with some of my best ideas at the gym because, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, yeah, you're sitting in between sets. What are you doing? You're just sitting there thinking. You're like, well, probably you were different. You're thinking about that next set. Like I'm thinking about how am I going to get eight or 10, 10 reps out of this. Yeah. Like you just mentioned to me something that I caught on to and you're like, I'm just as strong today as I was. Like, I don't give a, I don't give a damn about how much weight I press. As long yeah. as I look like I can do a certain weight. That was our whole goal. Like right. bodybuilding is you're posing on stage. No one's asking you how much you bench press or squat. Right. I can brag to you about I did X of weights or whatever, but I just wanted to look like that guy. Right. So that's really what my whole goal was. It wasn't like you still want to be strong. Like you probably meant like a bench press or whatever. Like I don't even get under a bench press anymore. I use dumbbells or whatever else. But it's just that mindset that gives me and sets sets the tone for the day. Right. So when I'm, you know, doing that cardio and then, of course, I get a weight session in during the day, too. But it's usually towards the middle or end of the day Mm -hmm. um, where you're an early morning trainer. That's there's no right or wrong time to train. Everyone has different times that they prefer but I usually train like late afternoon. It works better for me. Nice. So speaking of that, you know, I mentioned strength was my goal. You know, playing baseball didn't really matter how I looked. Um, all I care about is how far I hit the ball, right? Mm-hmm. How, how hard I throw it. Um, with Mr. Olympia, like you said, it's your physique, how you look. They don't judge you based on, you know, your strength. What's mm-hmm. that world's strongest fan? That yeah, that's that. world's strongest, yeah. Um, how, in fact, do you even win Mr. Olympia? Like, how are they judging you because all these guys are yoked like i've always wondered i'm like i don't know how, who, who very won? very subjective yeah but they look at uh conditioning structure muscularity proportions how you pose so ideally you want to have everything flow like you know you've seen the guys with the big upper body small lower portion yeah. right so ideally you could have all those you know you could have a great v taper so the waist has to be small you know you try to build this physique and keep the waist as small as possible but also they judge us on the conditioning factor like all the muscles have to show and remember what you see on a bodybuilding stage is literally like a few hours of conditioning like we deplete water you know the last couple of days but the whole diet process to get the body fat low enough to get down to like I was down to 3% body fat at, you know, 260 pounds. Jeez. That's really like you're shrink wrapping the muscles. So the 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 muscles just the shredded shredded like you see striations and you see the cuts. That's what they look for. And how you pose it, how you display it. There's like seven mandatory poses. So you've seen something like the front double bicep, the most musculars, you know, you have your side chest, you know, your abs and thighs. Like you got to have all the poses. And not everyone has that. And there's a few people, like, there's only, like, 16 guys in the history that ever won the Mr. Olympia. Schwarzenegger's won seven himself. You know, I won four. Ronnie Coleman's won eight. Lee Haney's won eight. You know, Phil Heath's won seven. So it just, there's a short list. And usually that person is dominant, right? I mentioned I just didn't win it once. I won it four, and I lost it in the middle and came back to win it. But I was second 
you know, six times. times. So there was two guys that were dominant, like the guy that was beating me won eight times in a row. And I beat him when he was going for record number nine. So it's very limited on who has all those qualities at that elite level. But yes, as you as a spectator would probably have, unless you really know the judging standards, you're, it's not keen to your eye, okay, this guy is more dominant than this. You know, it comes down to sometimes the smallest little yeah, leanest, you know, lower back or cut thighs or whatever else. I mean, at any level, that's typically what happens at the top is just like mm-hmm. it's fractions separating the two. But it's, you know, I compare it to a pageant, right? So it's not like baseball or football where it's like home runs or touchdowns, right? Uh you know, they're kind of using a point system and you're comparing. So it's kind of, you know, that's not always in agreements. If someone's in the third row, they see something that's different than in the eighth row. Oh. So it's really like that's why the judges have their seating and they're like a certain distance. And we have to go through our mandatories. And then, of course, the winner's, the winner's chosen. And then you have basically a year to, to maintain that title before you challenge again it's every year here in las vegas i might have to check it out it's every year what month yeah. is it it's going to be in december and this the end of this year oh, it's so usually in september yeah they just did it but it was in orlando because of this restrictions oh. so they moved it the last couple of years just because they were uncertain uh but they brought it it's going to be at planet hollywood um like december 17th of this year mm. yeah i'm gonna go check it out that's cool yeah. so i mean obviously you you did that the discipline you know, you were ahead of your time as far as personal branding and products. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, today you're retired and you're in a, sim- you know, kind of a different world. We talked about social media, but now you have mm-hmm. supplements, you have these other things. Like, tell me about what it's been like in retirement. Uh, it's been more work. <laughs> it's been more work because uh, I feel like the mind the mind transition, like, you know, I was a bodybuilder and it was very physical, although I did have to think about what I did a lot, but you know, the effort of, of being on point a lot more often because of social media, like I I consider myself an influencer. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy at my age to think that, you know, I'm 48 now and it's like, you know, I'm still posting like this morning when I was posting the meals that I was prepping before I came here and, and, uh, you know, I have my, my products, like I have a sale this weekend and, you know, I still talk about, hey, when I do my cardio, this is what I do. and this You still it. meal prep yourself? I do, yeah. I wow. do. So I, I have a, a company that, that I'm actually um, I'm involved in, which is called Trifecta. And it's a, it's a meal delivery company. It's a subscription-based. So they have options of meals. So they have either prep meals or they have um, a la carte. So I order a la carte meals. So basically I get like... Uh, two pounds of like bison or two pounds of chicken breast or two pounds of fish. And what I do is I, I kind of cook my carbohydrates around that. I mostly eat white rice. So I actually prepare my food that way um, each day. So like I prepped two meals prior to coming here um, because I'm going to go run a couple errands, but I still carry food with me. I eat about four meals a day now, nothing like I did before, not even the crazy portions. You know, I eat about you know, four, five ounces of meat now and instead of 12 or 16. Yeah, so just normal meals. Yeah, just normal meals, but it's just every every three hours I eat. Okay. So if I'm suggestive of anyone to eat, it has to be every two and a half to three hours, I feel is like a time frame of when you should eat. And that means an average person should be eating about four or five portion of meals a day. What do you think about intermittent fasting? 
I, you know, I would have said it was stupid 10 years ago, but I've seen it work well for people. To be a bodybuilder, it's almost an impossible, impossible thing to do because, you know, it's hard to cram all your calories in. The body doesn't absorb that like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, being someone that's three, think about that. If I was 300 and trying to take in 6,000 calories, you know, I don't know how in the five com- hours. Yeah, I don't know how the composition would lie on the body, because ideally, what what a bodybuilder does, or someone that's trying to be in shape, even someone like yourself, you're trying to eat the perfect amount of calories to maintain a lean physique and perform. Right. Right. So that's why I think the you know shorter times between meals work and more consistent meals. Number one, it helps with metabolism. Also, it helps break down the food at a at a continuous progress and it gives you consistent energy if you ever notice like the person that eats at at noon they start to die out at four o'clock if they don't eat right so that's why i think that you know you need to keep taking your consistent every two and a half to three hours and you can have that energy uh, continuous that way but intermittent um it's taken a, a huge huge um you know it's a huge place now in fitness like a lot of people talk about it and I think everyone's challenge now is is they're trying to lose weight. Most people are like battling. Most people don't want to get huge. They're just no one wants to get huge anymore. Right. I mean, uh, I think that era has kind of faded. They just want to be in shape and not even like super ripped. They just want to be in shape and yeah. they want to be they want to be able to fit into clothes and look proper. Right. Um, some people want to perform. I mean, you have your mentality is a lot different from a normal person because you are an athlete. Yeah. So us athletes, they think differently, right? We always think performance. Like, mm-hmm. you know, your whole thing is like, I want to be stronger, or, yep. you know, but I want to look lean too, right? Um, so you have to pay attention to that. But I can tell you, like, your diet is the most important thing in your life that you can do because that's going to play a long-term um, position of your health too. I mentioned to you, like, the sugar. Everyone eats too much sugar. Um, it's terrible. It causes plaque in the heart. I mean, people don't even realize that. It's almost worse. Like they think, oh, McDonald's is so bad or this or that. Sugar's the worse. The sugar's worse. The sugar's worse. So tell me this, because I'm all about balance and lifestyle. Like I, I'm all about, you know, I don't want to be disciplined 30 days straight, but I, you know, I want a cheat day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to have red wine. I want to have an mm-hmm. old fashioned. Like, and then we were just making fun of me before the show. Like I, I just pounded a couple of uh, espresso shots, like in coffee and caffeine. So like, are you still just so ultra disciplined today? No, <laughs> no, you you enjoy it. Everything in moderation. Okay. The problem is, is Americans, and I, I, I hate to, you know, society is like they just don't know moderation, right? right? It's like the person that goes to the supermarket and they buy the fat-free thing of like chips or whatever, and they're like. They have to eat the whole bag because they're like, oh, these are fat free. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where and I watch this in in spending a ton of time in Europe. Like I watch the portions in Europe compared to like the U.S. portions. Tiny. And, you know, there's less overweight people there. And listen, they drink wine. A lot of them smoke and this and that. And there's so many things that are so bad. Right. But listen, my my dad, you know, my dad, I I just lost my dad. He was 92, but he smoked for 20 years, like three packs of cigarettes. And he had no issues from smoking, you know, which is crazy. That is crazy. Um, So it's a lot of it, I think comes down to genetics, but at the same time, like, you know, we just don't know moderation. 
And I think you can, like, you can enjoy your red wine. Like, I go out to eat. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'll, I'll have some bread or, you know, I'll drink some, some alcohol once in a while. And it's not like a daily thing, but you have to have your discipline days. And I'm sure you have your days where you're like, you know what? I'm going to work hard Monday through Friday, but I have a trip away this weekend to do something. You know, I mean, yeah. you just finished a seminar, right, that yep. you probably didn't eat a lot of food during that weekend, no. right? And we, and we went out every night. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, you have those times where that's real life. I mean, that's like I stepped out of the professional side. Like, I'm still pretty structured. Like, today is, you know, whatever day it is, I'm, I'm still structured on the meals. But uh, I, I do allow myself sometimes to, to some leeway. Yeah. But your advice from what I'm hearing as far as all the things we talked about in regards to working out and health and all that, like, Number one, what I'm hearing is diet is the number one most important mm-hmm. thing, far more than any workout you do or anything else. Number two, you're a big fan of high protein, high carb versus, you know, these high fat. Moderate, moderate, moderate protein, moderate carb, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, number three, like sugar, alcohol, these things, like, you know, you can't be having them all the time, mm-hmm. but, you know, in moderation. Everyone's going to have a, you know, a piece of cake once in a while or whatever else, but the daily sugars is just, it needs to stop, you know? Yeah. It needs to stop. One thing I've been thinking about is I was so much more disciplined when I was playing with my diet. I didn't eat sugars or, you know, all that, but now my incentive to be, you know, in the best shape is lower because I'm like, oh, I'm not an athlete anymore. Like mm-hmm. I can have cake. I can have alcohol. I can have these things. And for now, I'm 32, and I still stay lean, mm-hmm. just kind of like living this lifestyle. But I know as I get older, that won't be the case. You may always stay lean, though. You may. You're I mean, giving, it's, you're giving me hope that I can just no, no. <laughs> I know it. I, I, I've seen it. I've witnessed it. And uh, some people just genetically. I mean, mm-hmm. but remember, it's it, you may look great from the outside, but you still have to be aware that, like, What's internally, yeah, and and. Uh, you know, that was always my fear being who I was and eating the amounts of foods and, and uh, you know, pushing my limits. You know, I always was kind of nervous about that. And, I, you know, I always had my checkups and never really had any health scares in that sense. But as we get older, like, you start to think about those things more, you know? Yeah. But I was one of these guys, if you told me at 25, like, listen, man, are you going to win the Mr. Olympia? And, uh, you know, you may cut 20 years off your life to do it. I'm like, okay, sign me up. But today, today I look and I say, man, like, I would never think that way. It's amazing what you think when you're younger. Right. Because you're just so, like, I wanted the best prize there was of what I did. Right. Yeah. No, that's crazy, man. I'm uh, for sure going to reevaluate what I eat because what you just said with externally, it might look great, but Mm -hmm. internally, like, what's happening with these foods and things and, um, I for sure have neglected my diet and just relied on genetics. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, I guess for me is I've been plus or minus five pounds of 180 for 12 years straight. I've never tried to get my body bigger. Um, and I've never tried to like get super lean. And I don't know if I'm just like listening to my body because anytime I try to get bigger and eat a lot of food, I'm just, my body's just like, dude, this does not feel right. Mm -hmm. And then anytime I, try to get super lean. It's like, dude, I have no energy, but then I just stay at 180 and like, I feel good and I'm comfortable. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Listen, if you're happy with how you look and you know, you're performing, uh, 
you're in a good position. I mean, you got to remember, 90% of people wake up and look in the mirror and they're not happy with what they see. Right. So my goal is, you know, I'm always, and I'm one of those people. I still want to be leaner. I want to be more defined in certain areas. And maybe that's just because that's my background is like being a competitive, you know, bodybuilder. But like you, you always are driven by something, right? I mean, it's just like your business. Like you still want to get better at what you do, right? Right. You're still like, we talked about, you know, influence and, and how people do that. People like have their different ways and without arrogance and, you know, you want to be as real as, as possible, but you're passionate, right? Yeah. Passion is a huge thing in what we do. And I'm passionate about fitness. I'm passionate about the diet. I'm passionate about the training. Like, you know, I don't know what I, training is my drug. Yeah. So if I miss training, like if you said, oh, how many days have you missed? Very rarely do I miss. You just love it. There's I love no it. Not, but like, if yeah. I miss if I miss two days because I'm busy doing something, I'm out of my mind. Yeah. Like, like it's, I got to get in the Yeah, chair. I mean, I'm going crazy. So for me, like like I mentioned, the consistency with everything, and if you're happy with, with what you do, like, man, That's don't change way. a thing. Yeah. Don't change a thing. Yeah. So you had mentioned that back in the day, you'd have off season, you'd have a year to prepare and, and do all this stuff. And then you mentioned how social media is kind of like messing with people's minds and, and all this. And it makes me wonder, especially as a bodybuilder, right? You're on social media every day, right? Mm-hmm. So people are constantly judging your body as whatever, if you're a fitness influencer or whatever you want to call it. So it's like, they don't have an off season anymore. No, your clothes are always off. And, uh, you know, especially like the younger generation, not so much me. I mean, people want to listen to my voice rather. They've seen all the, I mean, there's a million videos, right? You can Google search me and see everything on YouTube. Right. So I don't have to, I, like, you know, you say, oh, you don't have anything to prove. Like, I don't have to prove that I can bench 550 anymore or all that other stuff. They want to hear, okay, what what was the mindset? How did you approach this and this and that? And so that's why, like, podcasts are great, right? But, uh, you know, I... The influencer now, like you have to be a hundred percent on point and not Photoshop, right? Because now it's like videos. It's not Instagram. You can still Photoshop, like mm-hmm. if you're doing hard posts. But when you're on your storylines or you're on your TikToks or you're on your YouTube channel, it's hard to fake it, right? Right. Um, so a lot of this is genetics. I still think like someone gets into fitness because they have great genes, but at the same time, like you have to have a game plan set forward, but it is distracting on everything that you do because it's hard to say, okay, I'm going to film all my content for the week because as you know, Instagram stories mean a lot, right? People want to see minute to minute. Yep. They don't want to see like days of breaks or anything like that. So it's just really like if I was coming up as a bodybuilder in today's um, way of social media, I don't think I'd be great at it. Do you be- even think you would try and compete for Mr. Olympia or like you'd go the route that these other guys are going where? I would be a social influencer. Yeah. Because uh, there's so much more outreach than being a, a big bodybuilder. I had this argument with a guy at the gym um, yesterday. Not even an argument, but I go, 
to me, as a normal person, if I was to follow um, a fitness influencer mm-hmm. and potentially buy products from them, I want somebody who has an attainable physique, mm-hmm. something that I could strive for, like better than me, obviously, but not like Mr. Olympia. Yeah. And that's kind of what you're saying is like, yeah, I mean, I mean, hey, I'm I'm me, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like I'm a realist about things, and although some people say, hey, if I can take ten percent of what Jay Cutler did, yeah, that's where I want to be, right? Right. So I think for me, like I've kind of like I said, I don't consider myself a bodybuilder, so maybe that's like arrogance yeah. or stupidity of me, right? Because now I'm like I said, I'm not on there with my shirt off like hitting sets at the gym and you can be like me and yeah. take this product. Right. It's more like, Hey, I did it all. Like I know what I'm doing. Cause I've taken every supplement there is. I've endorsed a million different products. Things are advanced. Um, I mean, I'm spilling all information to you that you're probably going to sit and, and kind of like go over in your head in the next 24 hours. And you're going to pick some things that we discussed. Yep. Like it's experience, right? You can't, there's no textbook that can teach this thing. Everyone is individual in what they do. So like when I work with people, I don't write the same program for everyone. Mm -hmm. Like I take in, okay, what's your injuries? Like, what do you like to do? What foods don't you like? What do you like? Like you have to set your own thing. So, you know, you just take a small, like a little bit of everything and then you say, okay, well that's going to work. But yeah, I agree. Like I don't, I just don't know a lot of people that are successful in business and fitness to have their own brand other than just endorsing it. Right. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. I agree with you. Like it's amazing that, you know, when you were starting, you know, 20 plus years ago, there wasn't like this path for a bodybuilder to make money right today. If you're jacked, you can just get a following, take your shirt off, do some crazy TikToks. You might get famous tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of actually thought about that because I've, Dude, I, I mean, I'm a business guy. So, like, on one hand, I look at it, and I'm like, okay, you know, I got to be professional in what I do. And then on the other hand, I'm like, I wonder what would happen if I just did a bunch of TikTok shirtless talking about business. And I, I'm not in good enough physique yet, but that would actually give me the reason to take physique seriously and diet and all this because I'm like, I wonder how much that would increase views. The same message, but in a different presentation. I don't know. You listen, anyone's capable. Yeah. You know what? You have your business ventures today. I'd be curious to see what you have in five years. You know, you you might be get so interested in your fitness. You know, you're talking about your your challenges and you know, your I mean, we discussed workout like yeah. you're almost like you're a fitness like enthusiast, like yeah. more than anything, right? Right. It's a daily state like daily you work out, right? Yep. You could launch your own supplement thing. I've thought about that. I mean, you have the audience, like you have the the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about caffeine. We talked about that. You said, I need this, right? Mm-hmm. So there's certain things that you need. You showed me your macros. Yeah. Like there's certain things that you do on a daily basis that, you know, it's just routine. And people are going to say, how do you look like that? Yeah. How do you perform like that? How do you wake up every day and do this? How do you have the energy to do this? I take this, you know, I, I do this. I mean, you told me you use certain products. You take a little bit of like a combination. That's how I launched my brand. I said, okay, I want to take the best of this, this. Yeah. And that's how I did it. And I learned about ingredients and, and listen, I work out products from five years ago, different from today. How do you think the tech has improved? 
the ingredients, like the mind, like I mentioned, like my pre-workouts, like it used to be like grinded out, like um, caffeine and just, but now it's like more brain function, right? Um, and the message that you are able to send through social channels has extremely changed, right? So you can, you can connect a little bit with your audience that you couldn't really do five years ago, um, especially since YouTube has continued to grow and you can give deeper explanation of what it does. And you can show like transformations on how the physique changes. And like I mentioned, it's not only a product that's going to do that. It's a combination of like the lifestyle and the nutrition and everything else. Like, and that's one thing, like I'm super real about that is like, there's no magic pill. I wish, I wish I could be the one to come up with a pill that would give you all your macros for the day <laughs> and we don't have to eat because eating sometimes is a work is a job. Especially when you eat 30 eggs a day. Of course. But even <laughs> to like, like having to prepare my food. But yeah. like you still have to pick and choose the restaurants you eat at, right? So I know for me, like I have a, a, a fiance that like she likes to eat at bad food places, yeah. you know, like that can't prepare the plain chicken breast and the white rice. So I think really like you have to find like a happy medium, right? Right. And that's that's been like the biggest challenge for me. But uh you know, I wish I could come up with that one, like, really product that no one's ever come up with. It'll probably happen. Yeah, it probably will. It's crazy. Just like we were talking about this pre-show, like back in the day, man, the first people to start making supplements were like NO Explode yeah. and C4. And, you know, it was just like, <laughs> it's just speed. Just Which is still like, like the nitrous oxide still like the pump factor. But I mean, and oh no, explode! You try to shake it in a shaker, and typically it would blow up, right? <laughs> yeah. So now, like, you're like, this can't yeah, be good yeah. in my body, dude. Yeah. So I mean, but the <laughs> NO is like that's still what causes a lot of the pump, you know. So it was like very simple, but it didn't mix real well. It right. didn't mix. It, it kind of had stuff floating on the top, you know. I think there was aminos or something in there, but it was popular. I mean, Ronnie Coleman endorsed it, and I'm not gonna lie. I went out and bought it. I had an endorsement at the time with a competing company. Yeah. And I went out and bought it because I'm like, damn, Ronnie Coleman's in all these ads. And I see, yeah. you know, he's, I see him train. Is this and, his edge? Yeah, yeah. And I see his veins <laughs> popping out. And I'm like, man, I got to try this. So here's a guy that, like, I was second best in the world. And I was out there, you know, researching products. Yeah. No, that's amazing, dude. I'm going to try out your products. What are they called? Cutler Nutrition. Cutler yeah, Nutrition. I'm going to send you a... Nice little care package, and uh, you'll give me the feedback on I'll it. I'll give you the feedback, and guy, if you see, I'm gonna do the before and after, yeah. and then <laughs> that's gonna be my next thumbnail. Actually, this is gonna be a video. I'm gonna say I tried Jay Cutler supplements for, you know, 30 days or yeah, 60 yeah. days, and here's what happened. Cool, That'd be man. a cool video, yeah. dude. Well, man, it's been a lot of fun having you on the show. I personally learned a ton. I just wanted to pick your brain. There's a lot more to learn, man. So I'd love to, uh, you know, chat it up sometime again. And, you know, I appreciate you. uh, You know, like we said, it all started with a watch. (laughs) Yeah, which I don't have right (laughs) now. But it's all good, man. Well, guys, uh, if you don't follow Jay already, uh, don't I don't know what you're doing, but go follow him at Jay Cutler. Yeah, Jay Cutler Instagram. Instagram, Yeah, JayCutler.com. Cutler Nutrition. Uh, Really cool, man. And uh, yeah, we'll have to get you back on, dude. Appreciate it so much, man. Cool. All right, guys. If you like this episode, show Jay some love in the comments. Make sure you subscribe, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Thanks for watching The Ryan Pineda Show. If you want to work with me, head over to ryanpineda.com. You can find my courses, coaching programs, and upcoming events. We also have free resources you can download, so head over to ryanpineda.com.